Listener Production. Hi, I'm Sasha Barbagat. Welcome to this extra episode of The Briefing. Chances are, if you live in Australia, you've been to a music festival. I'll never forget the glory days of Big Day Out, Good Vibes and Park Life, all massive events that sold out within days, sometimes even minutes, and attracted the biggest talents from home and abroad. But it feels like there's been a bit of a shift in recent years and no shortage of controversies. Think drug-related deaths, the strip-searching of teens, big names pulling out, promoters folding and climate change forced cancellations. Outdoor festivals have been hit really hard by weather-related issues, like the infamous splendour in the mud at Byron last year and the cancellation of Falls Festival in Victoria during the Black Summer bushfires in 2019. On top of that, the cost of living has also had an impact, with less and less people able to fork out hundreds of dollars for a ticket. So the question of whether Aussie festivals have what it takes to survive has inevitably come up lately. And listener journalist Tessa Randello is here to help us answer it. Tessa, welcome. What made you want to look into the future of the Festi? Well, I'm a pretty keen festival goer and I've gone through my fair share of cancellations and delays. I was actually en route to Falls Festival in 2019 when it was cancelled on day Mm. one for the bushfires. And I'm also still waiting on a refund for another festival called The Drop that was actually supposed to happen in 2020. But while we're talking about a lot of music festivals, there's another type of festival which is key to Tasmania's tourism in the winter that's also called It Quits for next year. Dark Mofo announced it would not go ahead in 2025 and it was a pretty massive shock to us here on the Apple Isle. Earlier this year, the Wild and Wonderful event had its 10th anniversary and it broke a bunch of records, selling more than 100,000 tickets, generating $5.5 million at the box office. And interstate buyers made up 65% of that total ticketing. So that brings a really much needed boost to Tassie tourism in the dead of winter, especially with how cold it is down here. (laughs) And despite all that success, it is being paused for 2025 to make sure it's sustainable for the next 10 years. Mm. I spoke with the artistic director, Chris Twite about why they've made this decision. Well, it's all about making sure that we can progress the festival in a sustainable manner moving forward. We're really excited during this period of renewal that we can bring those two pillars of Dark Mofo to the midwinter, light those fires and uh, bring people out into the cold to commune around the feast and maybe take a dip at the swim. I think that's really important while we reshape the festival for 2025 and for the decade to follow. So not all is lost for Tasmania in the winter. There are a couple of favourites coming back, like a massive food festival called Winter Feast and the nude solstice swim, which you may have heard of. You may have seen photos of a bunch of naked people on the beach with little red caps on their heads. (laughs) They strip down to their birthday suit and they swim in Tassie's icy cold ocean at sunrise. Chris White says that way the festival can keep supporting businesses. We know that we're a really important part of Tasmania in the midwinter and we wanted to continue our strong support for community and business during that time and I think you know that's part of our decision to do that and I think it would be a real shame for us not to have that moment to all meet together in the cold and celebrate one more time and I'm glad that we can do that in the time while we're going through this renewal ahead of the full festival's return. Mm. Losing Dark Mofo does feel like a really big hit for Tassie. It is one of those events that is 
known across the country. Mm-hmm. But we've been talking about Tassie, but these events are just a couple on a long list of cancellations across Australia, aren't they? Yeah, it's like you mentioned at the start of the podcast, Big Day Out, Soundwave, Future Music Festival. These are some of those massive festivals that we just don't really see anymore. Mm. And Dark Mofo is by no means the first event to be cancelled because of rising costs or postponed for the same reason in the last couple of months or last couple of years. One of the biggest cancellations this year especially was the New Year's event Falls Festival. It holds a three and four day event across the country for tens of thousands of people at each location. Organisers have decided to take a break this year following a couple of years of disruptions. As I mentioned before, it was cancelled after day one in 2019 because of the bushfires. It cancelled its Tasmania event permanently after being here for 17 years. And last year it had to change the location last minute for Victoria. Mm, It feels like a lot of promoters are doing the, we're taking a break. We know some big events have been completely cancelled, but we're getting that line of like, oh, we're looking for, we're looking to renew or we're looking to see what our next steps are. It does kind of feel like the festival is going through a bit of renewal process. You know, I look at Splendour in the Grass as well. That's one of the only big festivals from back in the day that actually does still exist, but it really struggled with poor ticket sales this year. Are there any experts who have an idea of why this is actually happening? So Mitch Wilson is the Managing Director of the Australian Festivals Association, and they have some insight into what our festivals are actually dealing with behind the scenes. Coming out of lockdown, we've seen a huge change in audience ticket buying behaviour. Our biggest festivals in the country that used to sell out in the sort of hours and days after going on sale just aren't seeing that occur anymore. Uh, Also seeing like a huge increase in supply costs for festival organisers across the board, you know, upwards of 30, 40, 50% on some line items. So we're not really sure what the future holds confidently just yet. Mm. Climate change is proving a really big factor as well, isn't it? We talked about falls, but there's other stuff that's going on. Yeah, of course. And the Australian Festival Association actually wants to see a study from the federal government to look into the effects of climate change on the festival industry. Festivals have sort of been at the forefront of the impacts of climate change and what we're calling for from the association is to have the federal government partner with some state government agencies, contemporary music agencies within the various governments around the country to fund a a research piece into the impacts of climate change on festivals across the country and also to look at the sustainability of festivals, not just from a climate perspective, but also from like a, you know, waste perspective, because these festival sites are sort of built for, you know, a few days a year and they're creating essentially like their own minor cities. Yeah. I think with festivals as well, the drug issue is undeniable. I remember in like the late 90s, early 2000s, it was all about raves and people dying at raves and warehouse parties. And it's feels like it's evolved to be festival deaths. That's where we see a lot of those horrible instances of young people out having a good time and unfortunately dying because they've taken drugs in a lot of cases. Yeah, we've sadly seen a lot of young people pass away at festivals in a lot of cases due to drug overdoses. What impact has that had on festivals in Australia? Yeah, of course, we can't talk about festivals without talking about the issues that we have with drug taking and unsafe behaviour that we see at some of these festivals. Pill testing's also really high on the agenda for the Australian Festival Association, especially after a festival in Sydney, which was called Knockout at the end of September. 
Sadly, two young men died. Ten others were transported to hospital in suspected drug overdoses, which haven't been confirmed by police. Mitch Wilson says it's an issue that needs to be looked at a little bit differently. We're not seeing an increased number of risky drug-taking behaviours in New South Wales compared to other states. Uh, It seems to be quite consistent in terms of percentages of the population that are using illicit drugs, but we're only seeing the deaths in New South Wales, so something's got to explain that. They also said that pill testing at a Canberra festival did actually change some people's behaviours. People who found out that the substance they had wasn't what they thought it was decided not to take them or also would not mix it with potentially other illicit substances that they may have had. Taking drugs is illegal. It's kind of one of those mm-hmm. accepted parts of the Aussie music festival industry, but it it's illegal. You're not supposed to. We have seen the issues in recent years as well with states not wanting to do pill testing and also the issue with teens being strip searched at, at a couple of festivals because they were suspected of carrying drugs. There's the sniffer dog issue. So have we seen any progress on that issue at all? Not really. Simply strip searches can still happen across the country. Police can strip search people they suspect of carrying illicit drugs or drug paraphernalia in every state and territory across the country. They have to have reasonable grounds, but the process, I guess, is different nationwide. But police still have the authority to strip search teenagers heading into festivals with the age limit in some states between 10 and 18 years old. Again, one of those issues that's been contentious for a really long time, especially at music festivals, and it comes up a lot in New South Wales especially. A woman at Knockout Festival, which we mentioned a little bit earlier, claims she was illegally strip-searched, and in 2022, a class action was actually filed against New South Wales police, alleging some unlawful strip-searches. But Mitch does remain positive about the future. They believe, like Dark Mofo, festivals can become a part of the tourism economy for the whole country. I think the summer festivals in Australia are, you know, some of the most loved events in the community. And I think if we sort of had them at the forefront of tourism marketing campaigns, we would, you know, be showing the best of the best of Australian cultural events. That's Mitch Wilson, Managing Director of the Australian Festivals Association. There's so many different factors that have an impact on festivals across the country. And with the summer festival circuit coming up, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. Yeah, like I said before, it feels like uh, festivals are going through this renewal phase in Australia. Maybe we'll see the festival reborn into something else. Who knows? All I know is that I hope something with that sort of ecosystem does survive in Australia because it is one of the great events we have. Tessa, thanks so much for bringing us that story. Thank you. That was Tessa Randello from the Listener Newsroom in Hobart. And that is it for today. Tom and the team will be back in your feed from tomorrow morning at six. Listener.